Open our ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning, Father. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, let's uh, play with the furniture. Um, So I'm one of those people who doesn't like to have sort of too many uh, restrictions. So um, uh, great respect to those of you wearing ties and looking smart. It's brilliant. Um, I have an aversion to ties, so it's not uh, any disrespect to Bethany. Um, It's simply a personal problem that I'm working through and have been for a number of years, and I take every opportunity not to wear a tie. So I'm delighted that I now work for a business where um, ties are not sort of strict regulation. I used to work for a business where you had to wear black lace-up shoes and ties and jackets at all times. In fact, they weren't uh, weren't called jackets. I was told that uh, jackets are for potatoes. And uh, what this gentleman wearing is actually a coat. And you put an overcoat over your coat. You don't wear a jacket, because that's what Americans do. And uh, the firm I worked for looked down on Americans. Apologies to any Americans who may be here. Um, let's move swiftly on, shall we, before we get into to deep waters. Um, so the passage uh, earlier was talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Slightly weird concept. Um, so here's a here's a really difficult question. Okay, I'd, I'd like the uh, the adults to see if you can learn from the youngsters. What fruit do you get from an apple tree? Apples. Genius. Well done, that man. Uh, I know the rest of you were probably struggling with that. So here's a few more. Um, what fruit do you get from an orange tree? An orange. Okay. What fruit do you get from a pear tree? Pear. What fruit do you get from a strawberry tree? There's no such thing as a strawberry tree, but if there was, you would presumably get strawberries. So the question is, what fruit do you get from the Spirit of God? That's obviously slightly harder to to work out because you can't see the Spirit of God uh, growing in an orchard as such, although you can see it growing in people's lives. And that's really what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, when people have made a connection with God then you start to see things happening. You start to see evidence. So if you're growing a tree in your garden and you're not sure what it is, if you wait long enough, the fruit will become particularly obvious and you'll realize that what you bought from the garden center thinking it was a strawberry tree has actually turned out to be something slightly more dull like an apple tree. But you won't necessarily know that until later. So let's have a look at the next slide. So just to take an aside for a moment, one of the the key things to remember about God is that God is defined as love. And if you think about what Bethany has done and what her family, her parents, and her godparents have done, they have, they have signed up to a relationship with God. So uh, I hope you know what you were doing. <laughs> I hope you did a bit of research beforehand to work out uh, particular sort of you know characteristics of the the club that you were potentially joining and uh, and the person who you were were building a relationship with. It's quite important um, to understand what it is that we're getting into when we begin to build a relationship with God. And the beautiful thing about the God that we have a relationship with is that he's defined as love. In a the letter written by John, who was one of the disciples, his first letter, that's why it's called 1 John, first letter written by John, um, he said the very nature of God is love. 
That's where we get that phrase, God is love, which is sort of sometimes sprayed on buildings or plastered around the place. And people don't necessarily think about it very much, but that's what John was saying. John knew Jesus. John had met God. And he said, I know the very nature of God is love. Now, that's not necessarily something that we find easy to believe, and it's not necessarily something that... um, that is what the world sort of teaches and what you see in the media. You may remember Jesus said that you could boil all the Ten Commandments, all the sort of the laws, all the rules for living down into two things. Love God and love your neighbor. And he told, uh, he told a story about how you could identify your neighbor as uh, not necessarily the person you like, not necessarily your friend at school, not necessarily the person you sit next to in the classroom, um, but it might actually be the person you don't like. It might be the school bully. It might be the really unpleasant boss at work. It might be the really mean person at the school gates. It might be the person who cuts you up on the motorway and makes you feel really angry. All of those people... Jesus said, are your neighbors. And he said that you should love your neighbors as yourself, which is quite a challenge. Um, It can be a challenge in a family. So let's not think about esoteric neighbors for a moment. Let's just think about our families. So, um, you know, two o'clock in the morning when Bethany is uh, giving it some... Maybe you're perfect parents and you find it very easy to love her, but I know when I was uh, looking after very young children, I didn't get out of bed feeling loving at 2 o'clock in the morning. I have to be honest. It wasn't my instant, oh good, they're crying, chance for a cuddle. I didn't want to sleep anyway. That wasn't the immediate reaction. Now, as a parent, you, you work through that and you learn to sort of behave in a loving fashion, even if in that instant you don't quite feel it. But the thing that John was saying about God and the thing that Jesus was pointing out is that God doesn't behave like that. God doesn't have that momentary, oh, oh, right, yes, I remember. Oh, yes, I remember. I'm the God of love. Yeah, I've got to behave in a loving way. That's not how God works. God actually is love. It's the very essence of him. And this is the beautiful thing. Do any of you guys know what grafting means? Have you ever heard of anything being grafted? You get it after, after a really bad accident, you might have to have a graft done. No? No? Grafting? Skin graft? Have you had a skin graft? Yeah? It's heard of a skin graft. Um, or you can also do it with gardening, which may be a bit beyond most of your sort of experience. Anybody ever tried grafting a plant onto another plant? Anybody ever tried doing a skin graft, actually, just out of interest? You might have experienced surgeons here. You tried doing one or you, you've had it done? You've got one. Okay, so if you want to see what a skin graft looks after, like afterwards, go and have a chat to John at coffee time. He can show you a skin graft. Um, and actually from here, I can't really tell that it's a skin graft. So it doesn't look different. It doesn't look like not John. It looks like John. And that's what the Bible says about our relationship to God, that we are grafted onto God. Now, when that skin was grafted onto John, it became John. And that's what the Bible says about us. That's what's happening with Bethany through baptism and her walk with God, that she becomes grafted onto God. She becomes part of God and like God. 
Now that's a bit extraordinary. You may not feel like God right now, and you may not think you look like God, depending upon your sort of own self-image. But that's what the Bible says is going on. The Bible says we take on the nature of God. Let's have a look at the next bit. Now, right at the beginning of this chapter of uh, Galatians, Paul says something. He says, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Now, we didn't really talk about freedom very much in the baptism vows just now. We talked about rejecting the devil and the world. And we talked about sort of turning away from bad stuff and facing towards good stuff. And uh, a lot of the time the church sort of seems to be saying, don't do that, and presumably do do something else. But they're not necessarily that clear about what you should do, but they're very clear about what you should not do. The Ten Commandments seem to be telling us lots of things we should not do. Don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. Most of those seem reasonable at the time, but again, it's very much sort of, don't do. But actually, Paul is saying, no, that's the wrong way of looking at it. It's the wrong way of looking at it. What Jesus is saying, what God wants to do in our lives, is to free us. So actually, what Bethany is doing today is taking a step in the direction of freedom. Now, freedom is, a, is an interesting word, isn't it? And I wondered, um, can you guys think of any films where people break free or are released from prison or anything like that? Any, any films where people get set free? Any adults think of any films where freedom is something that comes up? Shawshank Redemption, yeah, not one I'd recommend for the faint of heart, but... Um, yeah, Shawshank Redemption is a very good film. He eventually breaks out of prison after using basically a toothpick to pick a hole in a concrete wall over the space of about 10 years from memory. Um, so that's not quite instant release, which is what Jesus is talking about, um, but it's freedom. Uh, obviously, Nelson Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. And, um, and then loads of other films. I was watching Batman versus Superman, The Dawn of Justice on the train the other day. Anybody seen that one? Yeah? Batman, Superman? No, no, you're not Superman fans. Um, it's a good film. I recommend it if you like that sort of superhero thing. Um, and one of the characters in that, who was actually a baddie, so this is perhaps a slightly bad example, but he broke free and, of course, then began to cause chaos. And that's a very common uh, event in films, that the bad character breaks free and then has to be sort of captured and made captive. But what Paul is saying here is, as Christians, we are freed we are released. Now the question is, what are we released from? Paul talks about the yoke of slavery, and I don't know whether, again, another film that I wouldn't recommend for the faint of heart, but the uh, 12 Years a Slave. Great, great film if you want to sort of find out more about how awful slavery was. And they wore yokes, they wore chains around their necks. And they were sort of basically welded into them so they couldn't escape. And Paul is saying that we are released from that. So what's going on here? So Bethany and others of us here who've made a connection with God, we've been released into freedom. What are we being released from and what are we being released into? Well, the key thing is that we're being released, we're being set free to be our best selves. So the times when you recognize that you are not being your best self. 
that's what Jesus wants to set you free from. He wants to release you into being the very, very best version of you that you possibly can be. Let's have a look at the next slide. And that is what then starts to happen. So Paul is saying this is the, the evidence of what goes on when you become a Christ-like person, when you get that connection with God. I am a friend of God. I'm connected with God. I'm grafted onto God. I've begun to take on the nature of God. And he also says, and it's interesting, I hadn't um, spotted this in verse 6 in Galatians. Again, we didn't read it. But he says, the only thing that counts is basic faith expressing itself through love. So if you think of all the stuff that you know about the church and what the church has sort of said over the last 2,000 years, that is the core of it. If you want a relationship with God, the only thing that counts is having faith in God and expressing that through love. Because God is love. Because that's the nature of God. So when we're grafted onto God, then you would expect love to be the outcome. Now Paul expands on that because he says, well look, you know, I'd, I'd expect to see a whole variety of things that essentially come from love. I'd expect to see love, obviously. I'd expect to see joy. I'd expect to see peace. One of the beautiful things about being grafted onto God is that we can have peace in situations where peace is not reasonable. Peace is not what you would expect. Peace is not what you would normally feel. Um, I've had that experience myself in a variety of situations where I've been in, in very sort of stressful situations. But I've had peace because I have that connection with God. Maybe you find it difficult to be tolerant of others. Maybe you find it difficult to forbear, which is essentially what that means. Maybe you find being kind to other people is, is tough if they are not kind to you. Gentleness, self-control, all these things can be a challenge. And what the Bible says is when we're connected with God, our character begins to shift. We don't become different people. We become better people. We become better versions of ourselves. And we do that because like that skin that was grafted onto John, sorry John to keep on using his case study, that skin became him and ceased to be the other. When we grafted onto God, we start to be like God. And that's why it says in that passage, slightly strange way of describing it, the uh, old nature has been crucified. Now, crucifixion was a, was a horrible Roman torture and uh, an execution process. But that's how dead Paul wants us to realize our sort of uh, our old nature becomes when we're grafted onto God. That we stop being our old selves and we start being something new. We're not always going to feel that way because we've still got the same brains and emotions and biochemistry that sort of, you know, tend to rule our bodies. We're still going to feel hungry when we're hungry and all of those other things that go on because we are human. But we have potential, that capacity to be so much better than we were before because it doesn't depend on us anymore. We're a friend of God. We're grafted onto God. 
Our nature's been changed by that relationship. And so we no longer need to be governed by the law. We don't have to have a set of rules that say, you must do this, you must not do that. Because we want to do what God wants. So we don't need the rules to tell us, because it's in our very nature, just like it is with God. Because God is love, and he always wants to do the loving thing. And we too can begin to take on that nature. And I can't even remember whether there was one more slide after this, so let's see if there was. There is. Um, so just a couple of questions to sort of take away and have a think about um, for a moment. Come and um, stand over here so I can uh, read them as well. Um, you know, is this something we have to wait for? Is it outside our control? Well, yes and no, I think, is the, is the sort of answer to that. As soon as you're connected to God, so as Bethany is now connected to God, you have connected her on her behalf. Um, she's probably not got a lot of choice in that. And um, she may not yet be old enough, really, to sort of argue the toss and work out whether that's actually what she wants. So she'll have to do that for herself later. But for now, that promise has been made. So we can expect God to start acting on the promises that you've made. And the same is true for us when we're older, that when we make that connection with God, things start to happen. For some people, they happen very fast. For other people, they happen more slowly. But they start happen, just like with a fruit tree. So that strawberry tree we thought we'd bought turned out to be an apple tree. Over time, we start to see the fruit appearing. Is it outside our control? Well, God never takes control of us. That's not, that's not the nature of God. God doesn't make us do things. So this is always in our control. I always have the choice to be angry. I always have the choice to be unkind. I always have the choice to be unloving because God is in a relationship with me. He's not turned me into his robot. But I also have the choice to let God take control. I have the choice to actually engage with him and ask him to help me be more loving, more peaceful, more forbearing. I think the second question is probably pretty obvious in terms of the answer. If you imagine what God wants for his world, he's ultimately trying to heal creation. The world, as we were sort of thinking a little earlier, is a, is a pretty broken place. You only have to sort of look at the news, you know, read the papers, look on the internet or whatever, and there's a lot of bad stuff out there. And it's difficult bringing a young person into the world and uh, then being concerned about their exposure to all of that. So we need more love, we need more kindness, we need more joy, we need more forbearance and peace. So we shouldn't keep these things for ourselves. So when you feel joy, you should share it. When you feel love, you should share it. And you should f share it with the people who need it. But the final thing, going back to this this choice, you know, old habits die hard. I don't get up at two o'clock in the morning and feel loving towards my young child because I'm tired and I feel cross and I feel irritable and I'm not at my best. Old habits die hard. 
But if we engage with God on a regular basis, if we keep sort of refreshing that linkage, if we keep walking in step with God, just as the promises that we've made to support Bethany and her parents and her family, if we keep on together walking with God, then these things become more natural. They become much more part of us. Carl was talking about the, um, the service on Sunday night last week. Um, and I have to say, if there's a, another one of those coming along anytime soon, I would really encourage all of you to come along, because it, uh, it was amazing. It was fantastic. It was just a really, really brilliant time to just spend time with God. And if that sounds a bit weird, it was a bit weird. But it was very exciting. It was very joyful. It was uh, strangely peaceful and very refreshing. And it was a brilliant opportunity to just deepen my relationship with God and just refresh the link that I need to have with God in order to make sure my old habits do die, that they are, as Paul says, crucified, that I kill them off and release what God wants to release in me to make me into a better version of me, to bring me into freedom. And that's what we pray for Bethany, and that's what we pray um, for her parents and for her family, for her godparents and her friends and relations. That's what we pray for all of us, that we should be released into the freedom to love as God loves. So let's pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of love and a God of freedom. We pray for Bethany and her family, and we pray for all of us, Lord, that you will release us into that freedom to love unconditionally as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.